Welcome to the Business of You podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Gogos. This podcast is dedicated to helping you uncover how to turn your big idea into big business and grow your personal brand into the business of your dreams. Each week, I'll talk to founders of all kinds of businesses, exploring how they launched and grew their companies. Behind every successful business is an epic journey, one that can serve as a roadmap to help you grow yours. The Business of You is all about frank conversations and unique business wisdom for the entrepreneur. It's a chance to tune into the story behind the brand and retrace the path of those who walked this road before you so you can pave your own road to success. Welcome to The Business of You. Today's guest is a former Deutsche Bank analyst. Today, though, Pawan Gupta is a serial entrepreneur. He is on his second startup, which is called Fashionza. He is a co-founder and CEO of this company, which is an AI-driven B2B marketplace and tech-enabled global supply chain platform for fashion brands, retailers, and manufacturers. Pawan is a very unassuming and very impressive young man. He has actually raised over $100 million for his latest venture, and Fashionza is growing very quickly. Just to give you a small idea of what Fashionza does, they actually shrink the supply chain of idea to production of a new product, a new fashion product from the typical length, which is nine to 18 months, down to two to four months. So if you're a fashion brand and you have an idea for a new product, you can actually take it from concept to to your store within a two to four months time frame, which is really, really impressive. I hope you enjoyed today's episode of The Business of You with Pawan Gupta. Pawan, welcome to The Business of You. It's so good to have you on today. How's your day going so far? Hey, thanks a lot, Rachel, for inviting me. Uh, the day is going pretty well. It's the festival season in India, so uh, trying to balance work and festivities as much as possible. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, I appreciate you hopping on. I know it's it's 8 p.m. in the evening for you, so thank you for uh, for taking a little time out of celebrations to to be with us and share your story. Oh, for sure, my pleasure. So speaking about stories, would love to hear your story. You're you're quite young. You're on your um, your second company that seems to be cro- growing extremely well. Can you share some of your background, Pawan, and what led you to be- becoming an entrepreneur at such a young age? Sure. Uh, I mean, to be honest, uh, none of n- nobody in my family had ever owned even a small business. Uh, but the place where I grew up, all of my friends, their families were always doing some sort of business or startup or something else. Uh, I would not say a tech startup, but more like a traditional business. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was always like impressed by that, how those guys used to run their own thing, uh, were their own bosses, but at the same time employed so many people. And I think like that is sort of like uh, was my upbringing with my friends and stuff. Uh, I went to college to study engineering mm-hmm. and uh, a lot of my friends actually stayed back and just joined their businesses while doing college in the part-time. And I used to stay in touch with them. I think that's something that impacted a lot in me about going towards the business or at least exploring that as an option. And while in college, I saw so many of my alumni who had, who had been 
uh, running really good tech startups, some of them successful, a lot of a really successful one, for example, is Flipkart, which is which exited to Walmart for $20 billion a few years back. Uh, so those kind of successes, those kind of stories around me always fueled a desire to at least try something out. Yeah. And I think that's when in my college, I decided that, yes, I def- definitely want to start up. I wanted to start up right away after college, but I think uh, I wanted to have some money in the bank to be able to sustain myself for a few years. And that's why I ended up working at, uh, at, at in investment banking for yeah. two years before leaving that and starting Curify, my pr- first startup with two of my friends from college. Mm-hmm. So, so, Did you grow up in New Delhi? No, I grew up like three hours from here in a very small town, a sort of industrial town. Okay. What's it called? It's called Hasi. Okay. It's a very small town. It's not even, uh, from Indian standard, it's super small. It's about like 50,000 people. Oh, okay. Um, that's very small. Yeah. Not a village, but still I'm more like a small town. Yeah. Yeah. But I'd been like, I'd been visiting New Delhi for a long time. I had cousins here, so could see some big city life as well. Right, right. Um, and what kind of work did your parents do? Uh, so my father worked in manufacturing. He mm-hmm. uh, managed a small steel pipes manufacturing plant mm-hmm. for over like 40 years. My mother was a teacher in, in the school that I was, I also studied in. So yeah, so, pretty much like a small middle class family. Yeah, that's that's beautiful. So how did, how did you go from working in investment banking where I'm guessing the salary and you were based in the UK at the time, right? In London? Yeah. So I spent all, I spent a long time in the UK. Yeah. So I'm going to make the assumption that your salary was pretty healthy, especially <laughs> if, you know, um, it pertaining to the standards that you may have grown up with just in the currency differential. So how how did you make the decision to you know to leave the safety net of of that to start Curify? Sure, I think uh, it was tough. It was a tough decision, honestly, yeah. and especially for somebody coming from a middle class background, uh, it was a tough decision. Uh, and I think back then I was just twenty three, and my two other friends who were also w- with me together, and three of us had decided to leave our jobs and start on our own. So just having that confidence that, okay, there are two more people who are also in pretty much similar situations yeah. and they also want to take a bet, it just sort of makes the decision easier. Uh, but at the same time, I think like, I still remember the day I sent a resignation email and that is when it really hit me that, yes, it is going to happen for sure. I'm yeah. not going to get any salary for a long time, probably a long time. And at that point of time in India, the funding environment was also not that good. So we had no idea how to raise money. We had no idea if even if we will be able to raise money at all. We just had something in our mind. And like, I think it just happened. To be honest, like if I had thought too much about it, I might not have been able to take that decision for sure. What what about the leaving, you mean? Yeah, about okay. leaving. I think it was sort of like a rash decision, if I say in the hindsight. So Curify was your, your first startup. How long and... Actually, just for context, um, it's today it's India's largest network of doctors in India, right? Which is which Got is it. amazing. So, do they offer virtual services through Curify, or or is it like an e billing system? No, so like the idea was never to build a B two C company. So 
we built something like a social network for doctors okay. like an instagram plus quora for doctors for their academic discussions uh to give them a very private network where they could actually discuss their academic related things or very personal related things things related to medical field mm-hmm. uh, that was the idea which like facebook groups or google groups just could not justify them with them being more public platforms uh and so it's just doctors to doctors a pure social network and we got almost like half a million doctors in india on board hmm. and where did this idea come from what inspired you and your co-founders to uh to come up with this sure uh it's a, it's a, it was pretty much a long journey i would say and i think we started with something else uh so one of my friends uh the co-founders had his parents were doctors and somehow like i think we were just talking about okay what should we start on and healthcare sort of like came into being and we thought oh yeah it's an interesting thing it's also super high impact and we would love to actually build something which is impactful for the society and that's how we started doing uh, sorry curify yeah uh, and we started with something else like helping small town patients get treatment from doctors in the big cities especially the specialists which moved on to medical tourism where we could, would help patients from uh, low income countries like bangladesh sudan afghanistan travel to india and get uh, good medical facilities at low price and that eventually turned into a doc to doctor to doctor interaction from small cities to big cities from a gp to a specialist and eventually ended up being more like a social network for doctors right so that's how it sort of like evolved from a more patient centric platform to a more doctor centric platform mm-hmm. so fascinating when you were at deutsche bank had you already you know kind of incubated this idea and just had to execute or when you left deutsche bank you literally had to also develop the idea um i mean it was half baked but yes we did have some idea of what we were going to do so like uh, we probably did not have a deep idea of a social network per se but we definitely had an idea of helping doctor to doctor networking and communication making that simpler which ultimately would impact, uh, impact the patient's lives so we did have some ideas so we did not just leave and started thinking about the idea we had something in mind right right then how long did you grow curify before you sold it we actually built a strong company i think like we are almost like uh, 300000 doctors on the platform uh, super active community we even built a strong pharmaceutical education slash marketing uh, monetization on top of this network uh, and we reached almost like close to a million dollars in arr mm-hmm. so so it was a strong business honestly and yeah. i think like uh, uh, when we sold it we wanted to raise more money but uh, the the company which eventually bought us had earlier invested in us and they wanted to acquire us get give us a great deal so we took that deal okay yeah so that was about like 3 years after we started up wow so in 3 years that's incredible yeah. that's great yeah. uh, the the sale price of curify you don't have to disclose a number if you don't want to but was it enough money for you to retire on <laughs> I think uh, the goalpost keeps changing, right? Yeah, so, so true. When I when we sold it, we thought that yeah, this is great money. We don't need to work for money again. 
but i think eventually the goal post moved and we thought that yeah it is good money it gives us a great comfortable life we don't have to worry about money but yes i think the the dream with which we started the company still remains so we went back to the drawing board and started working again mm mm-hmm. how old were you when you sold curify i was 27 okay um yeah. your pa- your parents must have been extremely proud of you yeah they were i think like for them coming from a middle class family with very humble backgrounds yeah. for them it was like uh, you can retire now <laughs> come home spend more time with us what every parent's dream right exactly right <laughs> so your next what was the time frame between the sale of curify and founding your your next startup no i was with them for two more years Really? Uh, as part of my lock in yeah mm-hmm. and i think like the first year i just did not do anything apart from curify mm-hmm. uh and then in the next year i started thinking about some things and eventually i think like uh, so yeah uh, even so i eventually left the company left curify in like december 2020 so sorry december 2019 so exactly 2 years after the uh, acquisition okay but we had started working on a few things we had started thinking about uh, what to build next we had some idea uh, we at least knew that we wanted to build in the apparel manufacturing sector and then eventually we started being building uh, started brainstorming started uh, actually executing a few things and then the idea eventually turned out to what we have today fashions are and do you have the same two co-founders as partners for this company No no so my uh, co-founder so my co-founder Abhishek was leading the product at Curify okay uh, but both of us know each other for a very long time for almost uh-huh. like 13 14 years now uh-huh. uh so so he, he he was my co-founder and then we were also joined by Jamil who was friends with Abhishek for a long time so Jamal and Abhishek are your partners at Fashionza correct got, got it. it okay And so this is a a really unique company uh, within the fashion industry, right? You're basically using artificial intelligence to um kind of expedite and improve the manufacturing the manufacturing process within the fashion industry, is that right? Is that a fair way to to describe it? Sure. And I think like I mean not just accelerating the manufacturing process but also like helping the brands make a decision on what to manufacture what kind of designs to launch so that they only so that the industry only produces stuff which the customers want yeah so essentially solving the problem of dead stock over production and hence obviously making it more sustainable as well okay gosh again like where did this idea come from it's it's such a unique concept and you completely changed industries <laughs> I know I get asked this question a lot. Um to be honest like I started not thinking about fashion first or apparel first but uh I spent a lot of time in at home after the acquisition and as I said that my father has been in manufacturing for a very long time. So and a lot of my friends around me were also in manufacturing small businesses manufacturing one sort of thing or the other and I realized that the value that these guys were adding even as small factories was absolutely humongous mm-hmm. like they had low cost production no management layer per se so they could actually uh, produce goods and really high quality ones because they were the ones really going into the production looking at quality themselves uh, and really caring about the customer at low prices and then 
we're also creating jobs in like these small towns hiring hundreds of people which is very unique like coming from a technology background where in a 100 people company could be a billion dollar enterprise like here you were uh, looking at a 100 people company with doing just probably i don't know 2 or 3 million dollars of revenue uh, but they were creating jobs at the real ground level mm-hmm. uh, at the same time were trying to serve customers from across the world but the challenge that these guys were facing was that they were always working with middlemen oh. uh, they never had exposure to the end customer because they were small they could not spend a lot of money on traveling or doing marketing for themselves doing sales uh, and then they also faced challenges with procuring the raw materials which was again ended up being through a, a middleman and then they faced challenges of working capital so essentially even though they are fairly efficient on their own but because they do not have resources to be able to work directly with customers eventually ended up uh, being uh, working with middlemen and hence working on lower margins while adding cost for the end customer so <clears throat> this is what we this is what i saw and i got super excited with how I, we can take these small manufacturing units and connect them with customers from across the world now this is how the idea started uh, we started thinking about a few other industries we had first got an exposure to and then abhishek because he had some exposure in fashion e-commerce before uh, before curify and uh, we went to a few manufacturing facilities in jaipur uh, which is again one uh, town in india famous for its manufacturing and we got super excited about like how the industry was so big but at the same time super fragmented uh, supplied to the entire world but probably never even spoke to any customer outside india yeah. directly and that's how we got super excited about like how we could we could build something which is which could uh, change the lives of these customers as well as the manufacturers mm mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I, i again like this is one industry which is also always changing like every season every month every quarter you want new designs the seasons change the colors change so customers want new stuff uh, which effectively means that you're always innovating something you're always trying to predict new things and then you're trying to get manufacture them as quickly as possible so that you could go to the customers at the, with the right product at the right time which is very different from let's say i don't know steel like steel is steel yeah like so true yeah so that's how we also saw the value that technology or technology integration across different pieces uh, could bring to this uh, supply chain and how because the supply chain was super fragmented has always been a global supply chain so has always posed challenges for anybody building in it so it is again really challenging and uh, but the technology solution was really needed as well yeah one change that we started seeing happening was that smartphone adoption in india was going through the roof so all of these small manufacturers their owners their uh, supervisors or even their the workers actually working there all had smartphones mm-hmm. which made it easy for somebody like us to come in and make a very easy to use mobile based solution and get quick adoption okay so all of these con- things contributed to us getting super excited about this uh, this uh, idea and we started building there 
the infrastructure. And is are, are you or one of your teammates? Uh, do you have a computer science background or the ability to to actually build this technology? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I mean, Abhishek and I both come from a technology background. Okay. So, so he's a computer science engineer. I'm an electronics engineer. Uh, but we've done a lot of coding. We've done a lot of product in the past. So yeah, we had that. Both of us had that that background. Right, right. How does the how does the platform predict? It sounds like it predicts fashion trends to some extent or identifies them, right? So that the manufacturers or I guess like who is your end client? Is it the the fashion house? Is it the you know the the designer? Uh, so our end client is actually a fashion brand or let's yeah. say a private label of a retailer. Yeah. So we primarily work with more mid to large size brands for now. Yeah. So uh, the buying the the buyers, the merchandisers, the designers, uh, because these are large enterprises. So you need to work with multiple people rather than just one person. Sure. So sourcing managers, buyers, merchandisers, designers are effectively the POCs for us internally in these customers. Okay. So back to the question: How does the platform? identify the you know like what people will be wearing six months from now or actually your your lead time is probably even longer than that right yeah now we're trying to reduce the lead time so our lead times today would be about three months okay uh, and what we are trying to do is we're trying to so obviously the longer you are trying to predict the difficult more difficult it becomes yeah. so today we're trying to analyze a lot of data points across social platforms across the online commerce websites, uh, across, let's say, what's trending on Amazon fashion, what's trending on mm-hmm. Shein, what's trending, uh, what's selling in Europe. So all of these like different trends try to give us the right data points. And then we also look at who are the influencers in the market. So if the influencers are promoting some, let's say, some colors or some styles, then eventually those styles will get passed on to the next set of customers, the early adopters or the laggards eventually. And those are the this is the kind of data points we always try to uh, find. Now these data points could come from the sales data of a few brands or retailers, or these data points also could come from influencers, celebrities, social media, and that is when we tell the uh, tell our brands, okay, this is the data. If you launch something within this uh, using these data points, your sell throughs should be much higher. Mm-hmm. There's no hundred percent guarantee anywhere, but it's just that running blind is is always worse than actually doing something which the data suggests. Right, right. So interesting. How how is how much quicker do you make the process then of, you know, make make this type of coat, let's say, when you tell a fashion brand and then the the production process by this so right. from idea to getting it into the store, what is that time frame? What was it and what is it now with your tool? Sure. I mean, like today, the from idea to actual, so thought to shelf is how we say it. Thought to shelf? Uh, yeah. It's like farm so to table in be, the fashion industry. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> There's a thought to shelf here. So like thought to shelf in this industry today ranges from nine to 18 months. Okay. And while uh, we bring it down to, uh, two to four months wow yeah so so that's fairly quick like we want to bring it down to less than a month 
but even today even at like 2 to 4 months we are much better than the existing solutions and that happens because we already come with the right data sets we already come with designs which are readily uh, there on the platforms so you can quickly ask for a sample uh, see the sample look at what what's uh, what is it that you like what is it that you do not like make a small modif- modifications and it can quickly go into production mm. it's amazing yeah 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 You have managed to secure VC from Excel Partners, right? One of the largest most well-known venture capital companies out there. How did how did that relationship come to be? Did you seek them out or had because you had a successful exit before, did they seek you out? Um and also just your platform obviously is like quite innovative in your you're really revolutionizing and kind of shaking up an industry that hasn't innovated really and in, maybe decades right, right? so yeah. so how how did that relationship come to be you know no definitely i think because we uh, had one successful startup in the past so that definitely helped <clears throat> and i think like that that is how the conversation started uh, i had interacted with them in the past because of my previous startup so when i decided to start something on my own i had i knew what kind of people to call so i was just like tell them okay maybe just discuss the idea with them and in fact like i developed that relationship even before i knew what to do at fashionza like even the name was not final mm-hmm. so started talking to them on the initial thought process that i had because these guys obviously see a lot more companies compared to us yeah so because they see a lot more companies they can actually figure out and t- direct Uh, us towards the right direction in that sense that at least they can tell us like okay this, these are the five companies you should look at these are the ones that are doing pretty good in something like what you're thinking uh and uh, that is how the relationship developed we involved them in our idea as well and eventually that led to a decision on investment as well that's amazing so were they um a series a round for you oh uh, no they were the seed round so they came in as a seed oh, round seed. and then okay. they also uh and then they also like invested in our series a okay and did you have any angel investors and in also a series a raise before you got to to this yeah yeah, yeah. so we had no so like our seed round was our first round but we okay. also got a few angel investors in that round okay and you self funded as well before i mean i guess right before the seed no. round no 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 like in this case we directly raised the seed round okay Yeah so we were fortunate to actually be able to start with a proper seed round and did not have to put on our own money. So how much money have you raised to date? Oh so to date we have raised more than 100 million dollars across three rounds for Fashionza. Yeah. How would your co-founders or your colleagues at Fashionza um Pawan how would they define your personality or your what I also call you know your personal brand what do you think they would say about you that's interesting i've never asked anyone this question but uh i think like a how so very hard for me to say how they would describe me but uh, if i were to look myself from an external lens i would say that okay so so number one thing is like uh, want to make something super big and really care about the impact and the success it brings for the customers and our supplier partners i really care for the impact that whatever we are doing is bringing to the society to uh, millions of workers in this supply chain 
And that is something that is beyond any valuation or fundraise. I think like this is the most important part of our business and this is the most exciting part of our business as well. So that's number one. Second is want to get the best people in the team. Absolutely. Like, I mean, most excited about getting really high caliber, talented people in the team. Uh, does not want to make a large team, but like have a smaller team, but which is super high caliber, uh, can be completely autonomous, work like an entrepreneur within the startup, within Fashionza. Uh, and this is how we want to operate our startup as well. Uh, and I think like we believe in providing complete freedom, yeah, uh, absolute, absolute freedom, absolute autonomy, uh, obviously trusting that you would do the right thing, trusting that you care about uh, the customer, care about our uh, supplier partners. And this is exactly what uh, like our hiring philosophies and internal management philosophy is as well. Mm-hmm. At the same time, I mean, if needed, get the hand study as well. Why not? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. I am. How do you build a culture that feels completely free and autonomous, yet also, again, I'm going to make the assumption that within your work, there has to be certain processes that are followed, right? Because you're all about efficiency. That's That's one of your Correct. value propositions. So how do you create almost like the, this duality of hey innovate you know you're free to innovate you're you have the autonomy to be decisive and to you know improve things take things to the next level but you also have to follow this very tried and true process right to efficiency Mm. and to meet certain milestones and goals correct correct uh to be honest like it's not an easy thing yeah and i think a lot of it comes down to hiring people who can measure impact and always want to work in the direction which maximizes the impact. So that's obviously one. You need really smart people there. But I think uh, if I start with a couple of things, so number one thing is uh, you need to set the boundary conditions for sure. Like in our case, compliance matters, financial results matter, uh, like financial health check matters. So there is a discipline that you need to have and the entire business needs to run within that boundary for sure. Yes, we are a tech startup. We need to break rules at times for sure. But there are certain rules. There are certain limitations, boundaries, which cannot be broken. But giving that level of visibility, transparency to the team that these are the boundary conditions and these are the some things which just cannot be broken and setting up the right controls around it that gives a good ground for everyone to play as well. So I think that's number one thing, which is uh, critical for especially a business like ours. Uh, and like, I mean, we just cannot have a build fast and break things culture here. Yes, we can break certain things, but there are certain things which we cannot br- break at all because our customer's business depends on us. Yeah. If we do not ship our goods on time to our customer, they are probably going to lose an entire season an entire season's revenue, which is critical. It's not just yeah. delaying one iPhone shipment by a few days. So so that's important for us. Uh, that's one. And I think uh, second thing is dividing the business in two parts. One is a process where we have figured out, yes, this is a great process, which we have figured out after doing hundreds of iterations 
and this is something that is bare minimum to be followed so yes so this is a process which has been set and then there are 10 other things which are still in a zero to one stage which is something we still are not happy about or we still have not figured that out so in that zero to one stage everybody has to go and experiment and like do a lot of hustle uh, get the hands dirty including the founders until we figure out a process which is great now after we have figured out the process which is great there also we need to give some fle- flexibility some uh, some degree of freedom to pe- for people to innovate and make it a better process for sure but at least not in that process 80 to 90% of the business still needs to be able to follow that process and mm-hmm. then we take 10 to 20% of the business to actually go and experiment on mm, uh, okay. and again like whatever i am saying is not something that is unique to us it is something that we have borrowed from some of the best companies out there including people like google right. uh, who follow the similar uh, similar uh, culture so so yes you cannot like in a business like ours you can't always keep on breaking things right right how many employees do you have at fashions so far uh we have about like a 200 people team now okay and that's split between new york and new delhi yep yep so new york new delhi but we also have uh, have teams in small cities like tirupur in india jaipur which are more manufacturing yeah. hubs we also have teams uh, we actually have bigger teams in dhaka bangladesh and dubai now mm. yeah so we are fairly spread out company what what do you see in your future where do you see you wanting to evolve um your personal brand how on gupta's brand how do you see that <laughs> what what is I mean, your yeah and also like personally what i feel is that pavan gupta is tied to fashions of forever if fashions are does great pavan gupta does great uh if fashions are does not do great pavan gupta is no, <laughs> nobody so i am always a co-founder and ceo of fashions are so my success my brand is absolutely tied to fashions are mm-hmm. and i think like this is this is what i care about the most mm-hmm. uh and i personally want fashions are to be the most important company out there not just in the apparel industry like be the most important company across for all the industries for because we impact not just the fashion we actually impact livelihood of millions of tens yeah. of millions of people in the develop in developing and poor countries we impact uh, environment by actually uh, helping these brands and manufacturers produce less produce more efficiently uh, and then we also at the same time bring happiness to the customers who uh, who are now can wear something that they feel happy about so so we want us to be the most important company one of the most important companies of the world and uh, like notice that i'm not saying biggest or most valuable mm. or most profitable it's most important is something that uh, i personally want fashions are to be and if i i personally believe that if fashions are does great whether i am here or not uh, i will have a great life <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah it's true you do touch many many lives from as you mentioned from um, from thought to shelf right it yep, has to absolutely. be to the millions that's amazing what is your role in the company day to day day to day i think i do everything and nothing at, at the same time but <laughs> uh we're still in i would say we're still in an early stage of our growth so not stay 
we are a 200 member team but we're not a mature company yet right. it's still a startup so i still need to get down to execution i still need to uh, get into the nitty gritties of the things get my hands dirty spend a lot of time with the customers and the suppliers spend a lot of time with the team <clears throat> so i think a lot of execution is something that i still in, get involved in uh, operational execution uh, that's where i still like to spend my time mm-hmm. obviously i still i end up spending a bunch of time on uh, on the finances or on the fundraising investment etc but i think a day to day basis getting in, uh, my hands dirty with the operations and execution is something where uh, which ends up taking a lot more time mm mm-hmm. mm-hmm. yeah now recently i've started spending a lot more time at the suppliers and the factories which has been amazing and which has been a great experience and i look forward to continue to spend more and more time there is that in one particular city that you're doing that or traveling amongst all of them no traveling a lot traveling yeah. all over the place yeah yeah that's wonderful pawan who are who are some other leaders or founders that you that you find inspiring or that you may you know connect with or or read about for you to continue to develop yourself personally good question i think like uh, i recently started reading a lot about uh, how people like like one of the companies that i admire now is flexport mm-hmm. and uh, also because like because we are also a b2b company flexport is also a b2b company solving a very legacy industry solving a very operational problem uh i follow like flexport founder ryan ryan peterson and they're also uh, they're not a public company they're also mm-hmm. i they are a fairly mature company a 10 billion dollar plus company yeah but i think that is one company i've learned a lot from mm-hmm. and still continue to learn a lot from uh yes there are obviously great leaders i don't know steve jobs yeah. zuckerberg and stuff you obviously keep following them you obviously keep learning from them right but i think closer uh to me uh would be somebody like a flexport where we get actual executional learning which are very relevant for our business mm-hmm. yeah and that founder like for example they are into the logistics so when the supply chains were going haywire uh because of the covid the guy was on the ground actually uh on the ports looking at how, where the bottlenecks are how it can be solved and not just like helping its own company solve those problems but also the government and the shipping authorities solve those problems which was amazing like i mean that's how i started thinking that they are one of the most important companies for the shipping industry mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and we want to be one of the most important companies for the manufacturing sector right right what skill or skills would you say you need to work on for yourself to be a better a better leader again good question you're asking me some tough questions there <laughs> i think there are always obviously a lot of things that we can get better at and i think personally for me right now i need to get even better at understanding manufacturing i think uh, yeah. that skill or uh, the technical skills which go into manufacturing especially in this industry something i want to get better at yet like i've spent close to 2 years but uh this is nothing compare, compared to tens or 20 years of experience that our customers or supplier partners have so i need to justify myself that whenever i'm speaking to them i also need to be at the same level at mm. which they are talking otherwise i just come off as somebody who's just like 
taking a 30,000 feet view and has no idea of the right. ground reality. So, and like spending more time on the ground is also uh, helping me build that level of uh, technical skills as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I feel as a founder, we're, you know, we're never really done learning ever, right? There's always a next to figure out and growing a company and, um, and we need to keep, keep investing in ourselves and our mind and our own tool chest in order to be able to, to grow, to grow the companies that we've started. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think like, and it's also good. Like, I mean, as a leader, as a founder, you also always should keep learning one thing or the other. Yeah. And I think at the stage of, as the stage of the company also changes, the requirements also keep changing. Uh, right now, for example, one other thing that I'm spending more time with, especially with other founders, is learning how to scale the company, mm. how to scale the organization for the next level of scale, which is which is not intuitive. And some of the things that we end up doing are very counterintuitive. For example, focusing more on the input versus the output, uh, which is very counterintuitive for us. But these are the things that you need to learn uh, as a leader. You need to keep learning to help the company propel to, to the next level of growth. Yeah. Do you think starting a company or scaling a company is tougher? <laughs> I mean, now I think scaling up a company yeah. is much tougher. So, uh, so do again, I. Yeah. But again, like, I mean, it comes with a pinch of salt because uh, like when I was just starting up, I thought that at least starting up a company is tough. Uh, I think like, and and one good thing right now at this stage is at least we have the resources. Yeah. When you're starting up, you probably do not even have the resources. So I would not take anything away from there. It is just that everything is tough and uh, it just does not get easier. So true. So true. Last question, Pawan, what advice would you give to an entrepreneur who is, who's just launching a company? I think number one thing which I tell people nowadays, which is something that I've learned is just be very clear on why you want to start up. And and again, like no judgments there. Like then yeah. in all honesty, that it could just be like you want to build a family business out of it. You want to just have a great life, not have a boss. Right. Or it could be that you want to make quick money. Like and the, again, no judgments there. It's entirely your call. Uh, but be very clear about what exactly it is that you want to do. Do not get swayed away by the propaganda or what comes out in the media everybody wanting to create a great impactful company it might not be the i mean like nobody not every person does their job for this reason so again you could start a company for n number of reasons yeah. which could be some of them could be absolutely personal as well because now this is important because this can determine how you should proceed with building your own company for example if you want to be your own boss I would highly suggest that you should grow slow, uh, take your own time, but let's say never raise venture money. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, if you want to be do a very quick uh, and dirty business, but at the same time make money very quickly, then you need to select an idea which is su- growing super fast. Forget your own convictions. Maybe like just go and take the hottest idea out there, uh, build something quickly, and look for an exit. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, because if you are not approaching the company, building the company in tune with what exactly you want out of it, 
the going gets very tough yeah like if you feel you want to make money but at the same time you are building the company in a manner which is suitable for uh, let's say creating the highest impact possible uh it is a very different kind of a journey and you might feel completely frustrated or feel uh, there's a lack of direction after a couple of years and i have seen a lot of people struggle with that mm-hmm. and that is why i think it's very important to be very clear internally on what kind of a company what kind of an outcome mm-hmm. you want for yourself from the company yeah totally that's great advice where's the best place for people to learn more about you or connect with you and also for on fashionza oh i think the best place to learn is about fashionza is obviously fashionza's blog yeah. we keep posting new stuff uh almost every week awesome and i think if you want to connect with me connect uh look at what i care about linkedin is a great platform i'm there on twitter as well but i'm more active on linkedin i would say <laughs> sounds good pawan we'll put those links in the show notes and really appreciate your time today no absolutely thanks a lot for having me here it was actually a really nice conversation i hope you enjoyed this episode of the business of you If you found a little dose of inspiration or learned something new, please leave a review and share it with a friend or even two. Interested in building your brand and business? Tune in next time to the Business of You podcast. And remember, there's only one you. You're the biggest differentiator your business has. Until next time, friends. <laughs>